and welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to be back with you, and I appreciate you so much being here. I enjoyed the first time I came, uh, and usually I don't come back unless I enjoyed it. So <laughs> I did enjoy being with you. I enjoyed your heart. I love your church. I love your pastor and uh, what God's doing. And so it's an honor to be with you. So let's jump right into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing us to be born in such a time as this. Thank you for making us relevant. Thank you for the courage of our convictions, the passion of our hearts being displayed in these last of the last days. Thank you for these precious people, their hearts, their families, their careers, their destiny. I pray all of it be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to begin sharing on the subject of marriage and the covenant of marriage. And I can't encourage you enough to be here. The church at large has, has not been, if you will, a good steward of the mystery of marriage. And our culture is suffering greatly because we don't understand even in the church what a marriage really is. I'm not surprised that the world is confused. The big surprise is how confused Christians are on what a marriage is. And while I grew up in church, I never heard one message on the home, one message on husbands and wives. Then when I began to share, because I had such a heart for this, and my own marriage, I was just shocked at how many people did not want to engage in a message at all in regards to marriage. Either they had been married for 40, 50 years and they're just stuck on stupid. I'm not saying that's you. Okay, maybe it was you. But they're just stuck and they don't want to hear anything about it. They don't think they have a need, of course, so self-centered, not realizing that we're stewards of holy matrimony. It's called holy matrimony for a reason, and the church is responsible for holy things. And we've simply not stewarded this. you got single people who won't come back or won't attend because uh, they're not married, having no idea how unprepared they are for the institution of marriage, and that if you're single, you need to be here more than the people that have already made the mistake and gotten married. That was a joke. Yes, a bad one. <laughs> there are people, again, that are divorced and broken and have a bad attitude about marriage. Many of you grew up in a home that was dysfunctional, so you have a bad attitude about marriage. You have no idea the holiness of it and the purity of it and the power of it and the need of it in our culture. So let me just jump into this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the apostle deals with wives and how they need to relate to their husbands. But then he makes a profound statement in verse 7 that was the first scripture that God gave me as a newlywed. I entered marriage totally unprepared, ill-equipped, and yet Sue and I loved each other with a passion and a desire to be a marriage that would be a blessing. And so I poured myself into the scriptures on what does it say about marriage? What does it say about husbands? And this was the first one that, I mean, it rocked my world. It arrested me. I pray it does yours. He says in verse 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, the them are our wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. He's talking about physically weaker. weaker. Have you figured out we're different yet? Well, this is not going well already. 
But look at this. Even though there's a physical difference, even though she's weaker, a weaker vessel after the physical, he says, but we're heirs together of the grace of life. We're heirs together of, of the grace of life, our inheritance. We both have the same authority in the kingdom of God. We both have the same name of Jesus. We both have the same access. We both have the same armor of God. We both have the same Holy Spirit. We're heirs together of the grace of life. Look at this, that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. God spoke to me over four decades ago that marriage is spiritual. It's not just natural. It's not just carnal. It's not, again, just physical. It is a spiritual institution. And how Sue and I relate together in marriage, how you relate together one another in marriage affects your prayer life. That if you don't know how to dwell together according to knowledge... If you don't know how to honor one another, if you don't understand your partners in life and heirs of the grace of life, you literally will have your prayers hindered. How can I grow up in church again my whole life and not hear anyone tie a marriage into the kingdom of God, into spiritual things? Man, I don't know about you, but I don't need my prayers hindered. I need my prayers to avail. <laughs> then I need to quit fighting with Sue. I need to dwell together according to knowledge. The Amplified Bible says that we need to have an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. Think about that. We are supposed to have an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. We are the first generation in the history of the world, saints. We're the first generation in the history of mankind that doesn't know what a marriage is. For thousands of years, pagan religions have known what a marriage is, knew how to define one, knew the roles and responsibilities. We have digressed so far in our culture that we have an entire generation coming up that really does not know what a marriage is, does not understand the covenant of marriage, does not understand... Who created marriage? I made a stand on this issue because the church is a steward of marriage. See, marriage wasn't just given to the church. I'm going to show you marriage was given to mankind. That's why I publicly defended it and defended in the public square is because marriage wasn't given to the church. Marriage was given to humanity. God loves everybody and he wants most of us to be married and has designed most of us to be married. There's exceptions to that rule. But with the exception of being single is a controlling of your sex drive. It is never God's will for you to be uh, single and fornicate. No, if you're single and you can manage your sex drive, it's better to be single. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, then to be married. But if you can't control your sex life, you're created for marriage. So you better get some information on it. Amen. Let me just say this. It's not going well. But your beloved pastor asked me to preach on this. Hallelujah. So if you have a problem with anything I'm going to be saying, take it up with him. Amen. Secondly, secondly, why is the church ignoring the family? You don't hear teaching anymore on husbands. You don't hear teaching on wives at church. You don't hear teaching on child training. You don't hear teaching on the covenant of marriage. You don't hear teaching on who created it, therefore who gets to define it. Why? It's because our culture is unraveling, brothers and sisters, and Satan knows he has to destroy the home before he can destroy the church, and he has to destroy the church before he can destroy our communities. This is important. This is powerful. And the reason we don't hear much about it is because everything in the culture opposes marriage. Everything in the culture opposes marriage. You want to offend people? Just say what a marriage is. You want to offend people? Say what a husband is, a wife is. You want to offend people? Talk about how to train a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's so much condemnation in the pulpit 
So many of us have failed in marriage. Now listen to me, I'm not boasting. I've not failed in marriage. I have failed in other areas. Okay, I really have. <laughs> and so I'm not condemning anybody that's failed in marriage, but a lot of the leaders today have failed in marriage, so they don't want to talk about it. They feel guilt too. There's so many people been divorced that there's guilt. In some cases, shame. And so the... The pastors at large are afraid to wade into this because of offending, because of, of again, embarrassing people or, or guilting anyone, condemning anyone. Man, none of those things are in my heart. And I don't care what your status is. Single, divorced, divorced and remarried, widowed, widower, uh, married and happy. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> married and not happy. You need to be here. You need to hunger for the Word of God and you need to understand there's more to marriage and more at stake than your personal needs. This is what we've missed in the church and our children and grandchildren are suffering greatly because we've been derelict in speaking the truth in love, in preparing them, in teaching them. Again, it amazes me. We not only don't know what a marriage is, we don't know what a woman is. Do you think it's going to get any better? It's not going to get any better. If you don't even know what a woman is, can you imagine how messed up your life is going to be? Amen. And I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, if you don't know, a woman is a female adult. A woman is a homo sapien that carries two X chromosomes. A woman has a womb that is the guardian of life. We are here today because of women and what a woman is. Women have egg and ovaries. Men have sperm. There is a mega major difference. If you don't have any ovaries or any eggs, you're not a woman. A woman is a female that has twice the brain of her male counterpart. A woman... A woman is never wrong among all of God's creation. How can we not know what a woman is? Amen. The point is, do you think it's going to get any better? It's not going to get any better. I remember when I tried to explain the deadliness of homosexuality and how that the pit of darkness has no bottom. That if, if you do away with marriage... If you, if you are not clear and teach a generation two genders, then the confusion is going to devastate their lives. This whole woke movement is an attack on everything normal. It's an attack on God's divine design. It's an attack on absolutes. And the church is responsible to speak absolute truth, to do it in love, to care about people truly from our hearts. But we are custodians of the truth. We're custodians of, of God's word, of his divine design for man. And God designed this male and female for a purpose. And it's a holy purpose. You're, you're denying of your gender assignment and the root of it goes to rebellion against God. Because the doctor didn't give you your assignment just because the doctor said it's a boy that didn't make it a boy I just helped somebody maybe not here but you'd be surprised how dark the world is becoming you'd be surprised at how everything is being redefined to destroy that which is holy that which is near and dear and dear to God pedophilia is on the horizon and it's disgusting what's happening in our school systems and the sexualizing of our children. It's pornography. It is straight out pornography. There are things being taught to your kids that I'm embarrassed to say publicly that I'm embarrassed to look at. That now it's literal pornography being propagated in the schools to confuse our children, to destroy our children. Satan came to steal, 
kill and destroy. He hates our kids. He hates our spouses. He hates, he hates anything that is near and dear to God. And it's going to continue to unravel until the church experiences a great awakening and gets back to the truth, gets back to God has defined a marriage. God has defined our genders. God has defined a woman and a man. God has defined a husband and a wife. God has created marriage for purposes that I discovered as a young pastor in the Methodist church that people had no idea what the purpose of marriage is for. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it, misuse it, and frustrate the original purpose. Did you get that? I said that fast. Anything, if you don't know the purpose of it, you'll abuse it. You'll misuse it. And then you'll frustrate the original purpose. I don't know these brothers. I don't want to offend them, so I'm not going to touch the Holy Grail. But guys have a thing about their guitars, so I'll be careful here. But this thing was created and designed for a purpose. And if I don't know that purpose, last time I was here, you were doing construction. I could take that guitar. Probably this one would be better. Uh, not that the guitars are lesser than or greater than. <laughs> But if I wanted to drive a 16-penny nail in all the construction that was going on in the back last time, I could take this guitar and I could drive a 16-penny nail. But how I many of you know that's, that's an abuse of the guitar? That's a misuse. And then what happens? I frustrate the original purpose. Not to mention the owner is going to need an attitude adjustment. <laughs> Why do we think if we don't know the purpose of, of marriage, we're not abusing it, misusing it, and frustrating the original purpose? We are. And I'm not condemning anybody. But it's our fault that the world is unraveling like it is. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. You're not going to get the truth on anything on the 6 o'clock news. You're not going to get the truth on anything on these college campuses. You're not going to get the truth from professors and and, and, and philosophers. You're not even going to get the truth from most preachers. In the book of Timothy, we are called, the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth. We've lost our identity. We don't know why we're even here. We think we're here to get along and go along with everybody that is heading for hell. And yet we're supposed to be going upstream in a world going downstream. And again, I'm not talking about being mean or rude or any of those things that I'll be accused of. If you make a stand in the public square for anything I've just said, you will be persecuted. You will be reviled. You will be come against. And that's why the church has gone stealth. It's gone silent. Is We don't want to pay the price to love people enough, to love people more than ourselves to love them and care about them, to help them and tell them the truth because we love ourselves so much we don't want them to reject us or call us names. And so we've gone silent and everything is unraveling. Let's look at what Jesus said because I hear people talk about Jesus all the time and I wonder what Jesus do they know? Go to Mark chapter 10. I've actually heard people say Jesus has never addressed any of these issues. It's like, first of all, I love you, but you've lost your mind. <laughs> Second of all, you've not read the Bible. You just proved you've not read it. Third, we don't even understand the Godhead. How many of you believe in the Godhead? Well, that's almost all of you. Praise the Lord. We serve one God. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who do you think went down into Sodom and Gomorrah as the angel of the Lord and brought fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah? Who do you think that was? It was Jesus pre-incarnate. Amen or oh me. Jude even mentions this and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even the, the few things I've just said, if they're aired publicly, I will be accosted. I'll be assaulted. I'll be called a homophobe. And here you are again. You're just picking on homosexuals. Hang around. I'm going to pick on adulterers in a minute, fornicators, bestiality, pedophilia, necrophilia. 
Amen or oh me. See, it got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Adultery? Well, why do, you, why do you point out homosexuals? You don't, you don't point out lawyers. They're all crooks. Well, that's the first thing you've said that's true. Uh-oh, there may be a lawyer here. There's exceptions to every rule. How many of you know I have never had a lawyer picket my church? I've ne never had adulterers assemble together with signs and come into one of my services. Do I need to keep going? I can go on and go on with I've never had anybody in the other categories not only attack the church, try to indoctrinate our children. I've never had anybody say, can I go to the library and tell how healthy to our kids adultery is? It's never happened. They've never read a book on the, on the benefits of adultery, the benefits of sleeping with animals, the benefits of fornication. No, but they're filling our libraries up with drag queens that are celebrating things that destroy the body, destroy the mind, destroy a generation. Boy, this is powerful. It's going to get easier. I thought I would drop the nuclear bomb, get it over with, and we'll deal with the radioactivity in the next two sessions. Look at what Jesus said about marriage. Because again, I hear people talk about Jesus and I'm wondering what Jesus are they talking about? In Mark chapter 10, the Pharisees, as always, are trying to entrap Jesus, just like the 6 o'clock news. Y'all have never been interviewed, I can tell. And they ask about divorce and remarriage and that Moses gave Israel a bill of divorcement. And look at Jesus' answer. I want you to see this because, again, I hear Christians talking about Jesus hasn't addressed this issue and Jesus hasn't addressed that issue. And I'm thinking, we just don't know Jesus even anymore. We don't know who Jesus is evidently because he's addressed every issue in our culture. Is it lawful to put away our, our wife? Testing him. Verse 3, and he answered to them, what did Moses command you? Well, he permitted us to write a certificate of divorcement and dismiss her. Now look at verse 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning, everybody say, from the beginning. From the beginning. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. What's so hard about that? Who, who is the creator of our gender? God. God made us male and female. Your gender assignment comes from God. You didn't get to choose. Your parents didn't even get to choose. God made boys, boys, and God made girls, girls. And this is Jesus speaking. He went all the way back to the beginning. He went back to Moses as an authority. People say professors are authorities. The Supreme Court is an authority. The president is an authority. You fill in the blank with what people and who people say are authorities. Jesus said Moses was an authority. And he went back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, and he said, God created us male and female. Now, I've never heard this said. It's simple. I'm going to show you. So please pay attention because maybe you don't need this, but your kids do. Your grandkids do. Your neighbors do. Your coworkers do. Amen. We need to be better informed. What does God really say and make sure we understand what he means? He tells us why God made us male and female. For this reason. What reason? He refers back to God making us male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father, that's a, a boy, and his mother, that's a girl. You're laughing. That's how far we've backslid. 
You would think nobody would argue with me over what I just said. Nobody would come against me over what I just said. Because first of all, I didn't say it. Jesus did. Because that's who you're going to meet in the end and give an account for your life. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. That's a female. Man, leave. Man and, mo and female, mom and dad, leave them and be joined to your wife. Praise the Lord. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He goes all the way back to Moses, back to the beginning, back to Genesis. Let me go there real quick and, and read it to you. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. I'll be referring to this again uh, down, down the road here. It says, uh, Genesis... 1, 26. Then God said, let us, God, us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, so man is them. Man is not male. Man is male and female. I've got, I don't think we're going to air this, but I've got... Help me, Jesus. I've got editors that don't like it when I say mankind. They always change it to humankind in the manuscripts of my books. And I have to cross through there and put, no, I want mankind. No, they want humankind. Because even in their mind, these are editors of Christian books. Think mankind is man. Mankind, according to the Bible, is them. Not him. Mankind is male and female. Boy, I could say some things there that I hesitate because then I got to explain it. And I don't have time to explain it. But he said he created male and female, mankind, in his image and likeness. It's not just men that reflect the image of God. Amen. It's not. Y'all understand that? Yeah. Well, maybe I can say some things. That, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to lure me off into a sense of false security here. I'm going to be cautious. But God is not in one way male or female. I got to make sure I say that. He's a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 424. So in one way, God's not male nor female. In another way, God is male and female on steroids. There's a feminine side of God. There's a masculine side of God. Jesus talked about gathering Israel together and, and he, was, he was using an illustration to picture God and how God loved the Jew and how God loved Israel. And he kept wanting to gather them together. And he said, like a hen gathers her chicks. He didn't say like a rooster roars. There's a feminine side of God that is reflected in woman. That's why Satan, oh, praise the Lord. Satan has always hated women. Since the original promise in the garden of the seed of woman crushing the serpent's head, he has hated and abused women. And the thing that just just rubs me so wrong and I have to deal with my flesh is we've had in my adult lifetime we've had this so-called feminist movement we've had this so-called people defending women's rights where are they now when a man can just wake up and say I'm a woman how demeaning see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. how demeaning is that how evil is that? How degrading. Is that the right word? Did I say the right word? Is that to a woman to say you are nothing more than a thought? That I can wake up and have a thought. I'm a woman and I'm as much a woman 
as any woman sitting here. That is the most evil thing in my lifetime I've ever heard. The most disrespectful, dishonoring. And yet you got women that are supporting this stuff. I don't know where I was before I got on track. But that was important. When you see a man claiming to be a woman, that is the most disrespectful, dishonoring thing he can do to all womankind. And yet it is celebrated. We got a president that parades these people in front of the country. Well, I just think that's being mean and rude. I love those people. I'm not against those people. I'm against celebrating something that demeans women that attacks God's image. See, a man pretending to be a woman is distorting the image of God. See, it's not about the man. We're well, just being mean to a man confused. No, I'm standing against affirming that, and I'm saying that distorts the image of God. Wow. Some of you have never heard it that way, because that comes right out of the Bible. He created male and female in his image. When you confuse male and female, what is Satan trying to do? Confuse the image of God in a culture. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Aren't you glad you got authority over creeps? Amen. Notice man was given dominion and authority over a list of stuff, but marriage wasn't in the list. While God has given us great authority and responsibility in this earth and a high calling to be accountable and responsible to be stewards of the things of God, He did not give us authority over marriage. We have no authority to define it or redefine it it is of God. It is from God. And God only knows what one is. And God has forever defined it. And it doesn't matter how the culture goes south. God is still going north on what he calls a marriage. Amen. So God created man. Not men. Man. Man is male and female. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God... He created him, male and female, he created them. I'll come back to that in some, some teaching down the road. Real quick, Jesus quoted Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See, within marriage and the covenant of marriage, Sue and I are husband and wife till death do us part. My children are under my parental covering until marriage do us part. There's a biblical time the child is supposed to leave so that you have groceries to eat. <laughs> They're supposed to leave, and you're supposed to be preparing them to leave. But I love you, but this is everything's offensive, so I'm trying to help us here. But how many people love their kids no matter what, but they'll discard their spouse? They'll say things like, well, my kids are my kids forever. No, your spouse is to only depart and be separated by death. Your kids are supposed to separate from you. They're supposed to leave. You're supposed to cut the parental cord. I'm not saying they cease to become your kids. I'm saying how many marriages have collapsed because we poured everything into our kids and neglected our spouses, not realizing our kids are going to leave. We're supposed to leave our parents and cleave. Amen. I guarantee you there's only a handful of people in here that have ever thought about that. That your commitment and your covenant to your spouse is greater than your commitment to your children, even though we should be committed to our children. All I'm trying to tell you is there's a, there's a biblical time they get to leave. There's only one biblical reason to divorce, and it's for fornication. And even in that, I believe we can overcome it. I've helped hundreds of people overcome affairs. 
Praise the Lord. And they were naked, the man and his wife, and not ashamed. There's a, there's a level of covenant in marriage where you're naked and not ashamed. And it's not just talking about physically, even though I won't deal with any of this stuff on, on the physical relationship. We got young people here. I get all that and I get embarrassed and I don't want to embarrass you. And... But sex needs to be talked about at church, not in locker rooms. Sex needs to be taught at home. The school's not responsible to teach your children their sexuality. This whole thing is out of order. And yet we come up with all kinds of excuses to be sexualizing our children even in school. Amen. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Now listen to me. Some of you I guarantee have never heard this. I've never heard it to this day. God said to the first man and the first woman who were joined by God in holy matrimony, who entered a covenant. I'll be teaching you that in detail tonight. He said, leave your father and your mother. They didn't have a father and a mother. That's how bad your in-laws can be. God said, leave them before there were ever any on the planet. Secondly... <laughs> that was funny. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, Adam didn't have a mother and a father. God created him out of the dust of the earth. Eve didn't have a mother and a father. God created her out of a rib from Adam's side. So what you're supposed to see is this connects you and me to the original marriage. Because people will say, well, that was Adam and Eve. That was unique. That was special. You know, she was on the inside of him. God took her out. My marriage was nothing like that. Moses connected you to Adam and Eve's marriage as the model and God's plan for man. And Jesus, thousands of years, connected every one of those people standing there all the way back to the garden. And that God's plan for Adam and Eve... And the power of their marriage and the covenant they had in marriage is the same covenant we have in marriage today. That is so powerful. Because I guarantee you most people go to church their whole life and if they even hear about Adam and Eve, well, that's an exception. And it was an exception. It was unique. But the Bible connects you to it. Jesus connected to it. Remember, he's talking to these people about divorce and remarriage in Mark chapter 10. And he says, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And for this cause or this reason is why he made us male and female so we could marry. Don't tell me God hadn't addressed what a marriage is. Jesus is God. You know that, right? And he said, for this cause shall a man leave. For this cause, we're made male and female. The reason God gave us the plumbing we have is so we could have unity and diversity. I just wanted that to fly over some younger people's head, not everybody's head. Everybody understand you have different plumbing for a reason. It's for unity. It's to be one flesh. When you got the same plumbing, you can't have unity. I know these are profound statements. Why, why are our marriages collapsing? Why, why, why are we in dire straits? Four things. Let me highlight these. Four things that are common to every one of us, to our children, to our grandchildren. We've got to get these four things communicated to them early. We got to get them in a good church. We've got to get them around people that can disciple them early on truth and how to discern truth from the deception that is being heightened in our culture today. Amen. Number one, number one reason good marriages are collapsing is for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. I was a young pastor again in the Methodist church and I was a newlywed and I was needing to grow. While I was in church, my family didn't serve God. I went by myself my whole 
childhood. Uh, God did bless me supernaturally with favor. Every church I went to, people just were drawn to me in a good way and would come get me to bring me to church. So I, I was in church every time the doors were open. But again, I didn't hear anything at home and I didn't hear anything at church in regards to what a marriage is, what a husband is. And so here now I'm pastoring. I'm working on it. Sue and I are committed to it. And I did a quick survey because in that particular church, 80% of the congregants were on Social Security. And so they got to know something. I'm a young minister. So I go to these elderly people and ask, what is a marriage? What, what's a healthy marriage? How do you build a healthy marriage? How do you be the husband? I had some, some real questions. Inquiry minds still want to know. And, and I'm searching. I was shocked at that they were no brighter than me. I couldn't believe the reasons they gave me to get married. Because I asked them, why did you get married? And the weird thing was, I'm asking them, why did they get married? And half of them are looking at me like, yeah, why did I get married? <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm creating doubt. I'm making them waver. Question their marriage. That was not the intent. I'm hollering. That was not the intent of my heart. I wanted to know, why did you get married? You know what the number one answer was? You're not going to believe this. To be happy. Welcome to hell. <laughs> you... you don't get married to be happy. Go to Six Flags. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> Alimony is expensive. Child support's expensive. Don't get married to be happy. And that's what's wrong with the whole culture even. They're having sex to be happy. Some of them are getting married to be happy. They're living together to be happy. Don't even know. We've not even been taught what the source of happiness is. And that you don't have two unhappy people getting married to get happy. You just bring your unhappiness into each other's world. You got to get happy obeying God. You got to get happy in God's plan for your life. Happiness comes from obedience to God. Happiness comes from serving Jesus. Happiness comes from serving others. I could teach for hours on that. I have a series on that. That was, shocked me how popular that really was when I first did it. How to be happy. Because you don't get married to be happy. And then there's four others that are just, I wrote them in a book back there. Uh, then you try to get past all the misconstrued ideas on why you get married. Then you've got to define what's the purpose, like I said earlier. Well, that involves knowledge. We all need a knowledge. And maybe you don't care about your marriage. Maybe you think yours is either as good as it's going to get, as bad as it's going to get, and you don't care anymore. You need to know and get a knowledge of marriage, if not for your own sake, for your children's sake, and for your grandchildren's sake, and for the culture. See, I just got a few nods to God there. See, we don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here. We don't realize we're the salt of this earth. We are the light of the world. And yet we've put our light under a bushel because of all the things I said earlier. So knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Why are we perishing? Why are our children, why are our children so confused? Lack of knowledge. We've not taught them. We've not continued in the Word and become His disciples indeed where we know the truth and the truth makes us free. We don't even know what truth is. We don't even know in the church at large that there is absolute truth. <laughs> I had a guy get mad at me one time and said, there are no absolutes. <laughs> so is that an absolute? <laughs> You're a big liar, pants on fire. There are absolutes. Amen. Amen or oh me. Sanctify them. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word reveals the truth. And we don't know God's word. We are not equipped like God wants to equip us in the Holy Scriptures. 
So knowledge is vital. Knowledge of a marriage again. I'll get into that in detail. Knowledge of husbands, wives, children, and God's plan, plan for man. Number two, number two reason our marriages are collapsing is neglect. Neglect. We simply are not pouring into our marriages. I'm doing a marriage uh, conference in Woodland Park, Colorado in August. And I guarantee you there are people signing up for it even as I speak. And when their children find out they're going to a marriage conference, they'll get a call from their children, we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know what? We didn't know. We didn't know what? We didn't know you were in trouble in your marriage. You signed up. I saw it online. You signed up for a marriage conference. That's how people think. You only go to a marriage conference if your marriage is about to dissolve. It's the opposite. If you'll go to marriage conferences, your marriage won't dissolve. See, we don't see the need for knowledge until we're about to collapse. Like I said, single people won't come back. Not realizing they need it more than anyone to enter into marriage so you can have a successful, healthy, happy marriage. And we just don't see the need. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their what? Marriage is labor. Now, I'm going to give you another revelation if you want one. Jesus, okay, thank you, I really. <laughs> Jesus in Mark chapter 10 said that God put them together. What God has put together, let no man separate. Are you still out there? He said God put them together. They weren't born again. They weren't spirit-filled. They were in rebellion to God. And yet Jesus said, God put them together and let no man separate them. We got a whole generation that has grown up and a younger generation coming up that they got this mindset. And I've heard teachings from the pulpit about how God's got just this one person for you and that you need to find that one person. There's six billion people on the planet. Thank you for an easy assignment. I guarantee you, your kids go to the Philippines and live in the Philippines long enough, they'll fall in love and marry a Filipina. They go to Mexico and they live there long enough, they'll find a Mexican and they'll fall in love with a Mexican. I guarantee you, God doesn't have just this one for you and you've got to marry the right one. And if you don't marry the right one, the consequences are you're never going to be happy. You're not going to be successful. What we don't understand is the covenant of marriage that when you go before that altar and you go before God and you go before family, friends, and enemies, there were some of those at mine, you... <laughs> are making a covenant, and when you say, I do, God makes them the right one. Amen. Amen. Where'd you get that? Jesus said what God has joined together. Well, that was Adam and Eve. No, he was talking to Israel thousands of years later and said, God put y'all together and made you one flesh. So the point is, I don't care if an angel from heaven graces your... Proposal time and says, I am all in on this. That Sue is the one and Dwayne is the one. It's not going to automatically work out even with God and the angels singing over it. A lot of young people go into marriage and they find out it's work. They find out that we really are different. It's just a, a guy thing and a, and a girl thing. We're just different. Right. Honey, where are my clothes? <laughs> where you last laid them down. <laughs> it's a guy thing. I can't find the shirt. What does that mean? 
it didn't jump off the hanger and just fall into my arms. It's a guy thing. I want the toilet paper to roll off the bottom. She wants it to roll off the top. That could have caused a divorce. Because every morning I am on time. I, my body is awesome. And I have this, this movement. And when I'd rip that toilet paper, it would just unravel into the floor, a big pile. And I'd have to turn it around every day. It's a guy thing. We're different. We got to work at it. Sue would roll the toothpaste up from the bottom. Who does that? I squeeze that puppy right in the middle. It'll look like a barbell when I'm through with it. It's just different. It's work. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, that's why I know this is marriage, they will keep warm. Thank you, Jesus. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be empowered by another, two can withstand him in a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When Sue and I come into unity, the unity of the Spirit, not a haircut, not the toothpaste, not the toilet paper, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Jesus is right in the middle of that thing and nothing can bust us up. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000. Sue and I in the covenant of marriage are 10 times stronger together than we are apart. We're not just twice as strong. There's a synergy in marriage that we lost two generations at least ago. A synergy. Synergy is when two plus two no longer equals four. Synergy is where two plus two equals ten. You're ten times stronger. That's why this thing, when it's done right, is powerful. It's precious. I'm feeling my alarm clock going off. I didn't see what time I started, but... The, the, third, the third one, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says we have a great reward for our labor under the sun. Marriage is work, but it's worth the work. It's, we, we have to work at an education to prosper. We have to work at our careers to prosper. Why do we think we can just get married and it's all just going to work out? It's why it's not working out for so many because you have to sow to it. All right. The third thing out of the, of the four is a lack of love and respect. Go to Ephesians and I'll be quick. A lack of love and respect. This is an amazing statement to me. One of the most profound on how to ha have a happy marriage. How to be and have a healthy marriage. Two primary needs of the husband and the primary need of the wife in one verse. That whole chapter of Ephesians 5, or at least half of it, deals with husbands, wives. Here's how you relate together in harmony. But look at verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, that's the husbands, so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Those are the two foundational Domineering needs in men and in women. Wives need to be loved. Husbands need to be respected. And everything God says about the husband and wife relationship amplifies the need of a wife to be loved and the need of the husband to be respected. He says, husbands, love your wives as you want to be happily married, just love your wife as much as you love yourself because you and me both know you're full of yourself. <laughs> if husbands would just love their wives like they're so in love with themselves, that'd be a happy, a happy wife. If you're going to buy shotgun shells, when you have a thousand rounds hidden in the ground. Sorry. 
we're in rural Illinois, hallelujah. <laughs> then why do, you, why do you begrudge her buying the second, third, and fourth pair of shoes? It's a mystery, guys. Let the shoe thing go anyway. You're never going to figure it out. I asked Sue one time, why do you need so many shoes? And she said, I don't know. Why do you need so many guns? That shut me up right there, hallelujah. It's like, buy a couple of more pair, baby, because I'm going to get me another gun. Would he really need it? No, but I'm going to get it anyway. So buy the shoes. I mean, we... It's so simple. And God made it simple. He said, guys, just think of her as much as you think of yourself because we know you walk around all day long thinking about you. And if you would think about her as much as you think about you, if you'll give her as much money and let her spend money on stuff that you want to spend money on, you can be happily married. And, and wives, respect your husbands. See, a woman has a deep-seated need for romance and a ring doesn't cure it. That didn't fly. A woman has, a, she wants to be pursued. And, and guys, we have an ignorant flesh. We put a ring on them and we think we caught them. You got to chase them the rest of your life. Pursue them. You, you got to take these walks on the beach with, without a rod and reel. You, you got to be sensitive. <laughs> Average guy. Average guy, let's take a walk on the beach, baby. Hold on. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, let's talk a while longer. They're not biting right here. <laughs> romance, romance. Listen, women bond through romantic love. That's how I got Sue. I didn't have any money. I didn't, she didn't marry me for my looks. That's obvious. Yeah, that, that brother got that one. Hallelujah. Man, that guy finally told the truth. Hallelujah. Women bond through romance. They bond through emotional love. That's how they bond. You want to bond to your wife? You got to pursue her. You just, it's just part of the, 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 the female psyche. Listen, men bond through respect. I mean, what's the bond that's... Pastor Steve and I have. He, he didn't send me flowers last week. <laughs> Better not be sending me any flowers. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's respect. Think about it, ladies. Think about it, guys. You need, to, you need to process a little better. What is it that bonds you? You know, war is a horrible thing. I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here, but in, in the wars that we fought, and specifically the men, I'm not saying women weren't involved and in, in are part of war. I mean, if you want to go to war, I'm cool with it. I don't think you should have to, but bottom line is men bond through respect. And you can find veterans, and they can be apart from men that were in their regiment for 20 years. And then when they see each other, it's like they have never been separated. What was the bond? It was respect. This is why the Bible forbids and coaches and encourages women, specifically wives, not to nag your husbands. I hesitate to even say that because in most of my experiences, the woman's really not nagging the guy. She's trying to hold him accountable. And there's a difference between holding a husband accountable and nagging him. The nagging is disrespectful. And, and it, 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 it creates a breach in the bond. Am I making sense? So love and respect drive the bond in the marriage. Other things contribute, but you got to have love and you got to have respect. Last thing, and I'll just say it, and, and we'll gather back together tonight and talk about the covenant of marriage. But the, the, the last one is communication. Communication. We just don't communicate. I've been in church culture now for over four decades, and I'm just stunned at the lack of communication between husband and wives. There's either no communication, which is deadly, a death nail, or there's constant miscommunication. We don't even know how to talk. James says that the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Me getting upset in a conversation will not work 
God's righteousness. And yet, how many men feel like they've got to scream and holler and stomp to get anything done? That same book says that we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And so communication. I remember, and I'll close with this, but I remember people mocking me about I had a conference one time on communication and people had paid thousands of dollars. Fortune 500 companies will send their entire staff to a communication seminar, conference, because we all at some level figure out most of our problems are, we not, are because we're not communicating. In the workplace, in the home, raising kids, oh my gosh. Boy, I come home one day and, or I was leaving for work and I hollered at my oldest son, be sure and cut the grass. Absolutely, Dad. No worries. I come home and the grass is two foot tall. What happened? I told you to cut the grass. Oh, I thought you said never smoke grass. <laughs> You're laughing. I've counseled thousands of people. And I have never ceased to be amazed at what was said, what was heard, and what was meant. There's only three things that make you effective in communication. Now, you may have to labor in the three things. There's only three things, and that was what people made fun of me over, that I'm giving it to you for free. And I guarantee you, every conference in this country that deals with communication have these three things involved. They just have a lot of smoke and mirrors and make it look hard so they can make more money. Number one's talking. And people laugh at me when I say, well, you got to talk. We don't know how to talk. We know how to scream. We know how to yell. We know how to debate. We know how to argue. I got you fast, didn't I? But that's not talking. You have to learn to talk. Number two, a whole, we've lost a whole generation on number two, and that's listening Listening is an art. Listening is a, a dying, perishing art in our culture. This thing right here may ruin a whole generation eventually. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to read body language. They don't know how to feel a conversation because it's, it's destroying our kids. I don't want to condemn anybody. I, I, I'm glad I'm not raising kids in the digital generation. But I'm so proud of my kids, watching them discipline my grandkids with the gadgets and the digital, the digital world, that they restrict it. They let them on it. They, they leverage it. But they have to put it down. They have to turn it off. They have to talk. They have to sit at a meal and not have a phone and talk. The family table is gone. Most of the things, those of us that are chronologically challenged, okay, old, we remember sitting down at a table and that's where the bonding took place. That's where the communion, fellowship, we've lost that. We have to regain it. And so we have to talk and know how to talk. We have to Train our ear to hear. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You have to choose to hear or you won't hear. And that's why marriages, good marriages collapse. They're not listening anymore. They don't hear each other. And then the third one that everybody laughs at that's the most powerful thing on the planet is feedback. Feedback. And it used to be embarrassing for me. I trained myself with my children. I developed the skill set with my wife. We would talk, and it would amaze me when she would give me feedback. What did I say? How many times I had to interrupt her, which was wrong. I'm not saying this was right. But no, that's not what I said. But it is what she heard. See, without the feedback loop, how do you know you've effectively communicated? All, if I'd have got feedback from Jeremy, cut the grass. And I've trained everybody in my orbit without me asking to give me feedback. 
my secretary, my wife, my children. Now I'm training my grandchildren to give me feedback. What did I say? Because if he'd have said, Dad, I promise you don't have to worry about that. I'm never going to smoke grass. That's a good answer, but the wrong answer. <laughs> I appreciate it that you've heard me on the dope thing. Because if you're smoking dope, you're the dope that's getting smoked. Boy, that's a negative note to end on, but the feedback loop clarifies what was said, what was meant, and then now how do we apply it? Well, I covered a lot. Bless you for your patience. I love you. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.